Pastor Xavier Reese says the best avenue in seeking God's direction is to follow the Spirit's lead. The ministry to be effective, the leading of the Lord by His Spirit must be ongoing. The day that we cease to depend upon the Lord in prayer and direction and confirmation of the Word, then we cease to depend upon the leading of God's Spirit. That not only goes to the church, but for your own personal life. Very important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As Pastor Xavier has said, if you want to be a lawyer, go to law school. A doctor, medical school. A businessman, seek a business degree. But if you want to serve God's kingdom, it's in God's Word where you'll find His principles for ministry. And to that end, in our study today, Pastor Xavier will be continuing a list he began last time of nine characteristics found in the church at Ephesus that made it the effective ministry that it was under the leadership of the Apostle Paul. It's simple truths he draws from Acts chapter 19. Let's listen. Now the fifth characteristic is found in verse 13 through 19. The power of God over the occult was evident. Here's where the connection is. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling uh, their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic, brought their books together and burned them in the inside of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it a total fifty thousand pieces of silver. Here's the power encounter. This is what's going on in Ephesus, cultic. God is working. The power of the Holy Spirit is working through the ministry of Paul, and here you have a competitive group. <laughs> you have Satan, he's the God of this world, right? Notice verse thirteen through sixteen. The power of Satan is real and present in the world. Some of the Jews attempted to copy the ministry of Paul dealing with demons without knowing Jesus personally. It's very, very dangerous. Only a child of God can deal with this stuff. Not a non-believer. Verse 13, the first group, Jewish exorcists. And by the way, they did that for money. <laughs> we are told that they consisted of some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. So this was their profession. As I said, for money. We're told they took it upon themselves to call in the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So God did not call them. In fact, we're given the very words they use. We exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. This is a third party check. Literally, they administered an oath. Here's the magic. Here's the formula. This will work. Uh-uh. The second group were seven brothers. We're told they were the seven sons of Sceva. We're told their father was the Jewish chief priest. The demons did not recognize them as having any authority over them. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Two different words are used here in the word know. 
For Jesus, the word gnosko, to know more intimate by experience. And for Paul, epistemi, to be less acquainted. Literally it says, Jesus I recognize, I'm very familiar with, Paul I am acquainted with only. But who are you? <laughs> Look at 16, the evil spirits overcame the itinerant exorcists and the seven sons of Sceva. They were assaulted by the demon-possessed man. The man whom the evil spirit was in, leaped upon them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. They were injured physically. They fled out of the house naked and wounded. This is no um, laughing matter. This is nothing made up. Uh, satanic activity is real. And it's very dangerous. And children are being led into it, as we told you with that movie and many other things. It's taught in universities at times. Websites, you, you can't even keep up with them. The evil spirits and demons know those who have the Spirit of God to confront them and those who do not. Every time Jesus walked, the demon said, Hi, Jesus, Son of God, what are you doing here? Our time not yet come. Have you come to torment us before our time? Remember, he released them to the pigs. You cannot just use the name of Jesus without being a child of God. That's spiritual fraud. And you're exposed as an imposter by the demons. They laugh at it. Look at 17 through 19. The power of Jesus is greater than the one in the world. In 17, the power was unmistakable. The event was known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. The result was that fear fell on all of them. A godly fear. They realized that power encounter, there is a greater power. The God that Paul serves. The name of the Lord was magnified. The tense is the imperfect. They continued to honor His name. A name above every other name. That every, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2. The power encounter verified the authority of the power of Jesus through Paul's ministry, superior to that of the Jewish exorcist. Notice the power caused many who had already believed to repent and confess their continuous involvement in the occult. They're still hanging on to things. There's one of the dangers of some Christians that are involved in the occult or other things. They accept Christ and then they start messing with things again. This freaked them out. They feared God. They broke away clean. They had believed. They came confessing and telling their deeds. And then in 19, the power caused many unbelievers to repent from the occult. They were actively involved practicing magic in the occult. This is Ephesus. They gave visible evidence of their repentance by burning their books publicly. Notice that. Scroll after scroll, the text indicates in the flames by the imperfect tense. The occult was unmasked. And the greater power. Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Power encounter. <laughs> the price was great. 50,000 pieces of silver. One piece is, represents a day's wages. It's a lot of money. But when Jesus opens your eyes and you realize that what you were into, it's not worth your eternity, is it? You let it go right now. For ministry to be effective, the power of God over the occult will be evident. When it presents itself. Notice the sixth characteristic is found in verse 20. The word of God grew and prevailed. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. A verse you can just pass up real quickly. Notice the word of the Lord grew mightily. This verse 
is another summary statement in the book of Acts. This is the conclusion of what the ministry at Ephesus was, in spite of all the obstacles. The word logos indicates the gospel. It increased in preaching to evangelize the sinner, in teaching to perfect the saints. The purpose of the church is to perfect the saints, to do the work of ministry, Ephesians chapter 4. The ministry of the church is to reach the lost. So often, the church is taught that the purpose of the church is to evangelize the world. That is not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to perfect the saints, to get you grounded and mature, and so you know what you're talking about, then you can go tell the sinner. It's our mission to reach the lost. But the purpose, the ministry of the church, is to perfect the saints. Notice the word was sufficient to accomplish all God would do. Not the word of man, not philosophies, not psychology, not sociology, but the word of the gospel. He's the head of the church. And the gospel is the only thing, the only thing that it will ever work. And when we think otherwise, we're dead. Notice the word of the Lord prevailed. Not only grew mine, but prevailed. The word of God, by a supernatural power, conquered over the pagan cultural influence. Now, if your culture doesn't contradict the word, fine. But when your culture contradicts the word, your culture goes. The gospel transcends culture. The word of God, by a supernatural power, conquered over the religious influence. The Word of God, by supernatural power, conquered over the diseases and illnesses, the demon-possessed influence. The Word, by supernatural power, conquered over the occult, a greater power. It conquered the callous heart of the person in the occult, the good moral pagan, the religious person, the murderer. The Word of God is a common denominator for all. We're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And thank God He didn't put no checklist on only the sins He would forgive. There is no sin that He cannot or will not forgive except the one you don't confess. The ministry, to be effective, the Word of God must grow and prevail. In the life of people, in ministry, The seventh characteristic is found in verse 21. The leading of the Lord by His Spirit was ongoing. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. Now notice that Paul was being directed back to Jerusalem. The time is stated by the phrase, when these things were accomplished. This points back to verse 20. When the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. The ministry of Paul at Ephesus was coming to an end. The plans were directed by the Holy Spirit. Make sure you understand this. Paul purpose in the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit directing him as he did in Bithynia, not to preach in other places. God's Spirit. He's the one directing ministry. Even the route is given to us. He says, when he had passed through Macedonia Achaia to go to Jerusalem. Paul expressed his plans to visit the Corinthians on the way, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 16, 5-7. He tells them, on my way up to Jerusalem, I'm going to pass by you. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15-17, he rebukes them because they were so carnal. They were saying, oh, Paul, he just makes his plans in the flesh. He's not a man of his words. Do you think I make plans in the flesh? Do you not think the Spirit of God is leading me? 
And he rebukes them. Notice Paul expressed his plan to visit Rome after Jerusalem then. This is all spirit-directed. The priority was first Jerusalem to take what? The offering for the poor saints, remember? That's the only time Paul took an offering for the poor saints of Jerusalem. Never for himself. Paul met with James and the others, reported what God was doing. He took a vow. He was going to take some young men to the temple. And the Jews that were there in Asia, they saw him. They thought he brought Gentiles in and they almost killed him. Uh, he was rescued. He started preaching there at the steps of the Antonius Fortress. And when he mentioned Gentiles, they almost killed him. And so he was being held there. But God's already told him, you're going to go to Jerusalem first and then Rome. And in fact, as he's there... In prison, in Romans 15, 25-27, listen to what he says. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. And he already wrote to the Romans his whole purpose of going. It was to bring this offering to the poor saints. The plans after Jerusalem was Rome. After I have been there, I must see Rome. I must see Rome. In fact, to the same Romans, in the epistle of Romans, in chapter 15, 23-24, he says this, But now, no longer having a place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be held on my way there by you. If first, I may enjoy your company for a while. So he says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, then I'm going to go to Rome, by the day I'm going to stop on my way to Spain. Again in Romans 15, 28 and 29, he says, Therefore when I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, the offering, I shall go by way to you to Spain, but I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of blessing and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he already knew that he's writing to them. And then when he gets to Jerusalem and he's arrested and everything, Jesus makes a personal appearance to Paul in Acts 23.11. Listen. But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Paul knew he was going to go to Rome, but Paul didn't know how he was going to get to Rome. God was going to get him to Rome as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. By the will of God. Can you handle that? (laughs) Or or do you direct God how to run your life? (laughs) Whether Paul got to Spain or not, people argue. I think he did, but we'll find out when we get up there. The ministry to be effective, the leading of the Lord by His Spirit must be ongoing. The day that we cease to depend upon the Lord in prayer and direction and open doors and confirmation of His Word, then we cease to depend upon the leading of God's Spirit. That not only goes to the church, but for your own personal life. Very important. The eighth characteristic is found in verse 22. The participation of body ministry was present. So He sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Notice Paul sent into Macedonia, Timothy and Erastus here, who ministered to him. They were helping him in the ministry of, of Ephesus. And yet, he could have used them more, but his priority was the saints in Jerusalem. So he sends them in there 
to deal with this offering. In fact, he writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and tells them, listen, you guys are a bunch of tightwads. You say you're going to give some money a year ago, and you're still hoarding it. <laughs> I'm going to send Titus so that, you know, when we come, there's not a big offering or nothing. You just do it of your heart. And he got all over them. He wasn't thinking of himself, but the poor saints in Jerusalem. That's Paul all the time. And this is the problem constantly in your life and mine. If we don't, we don't think of the Lord and others, boy, we'll get caught up with ourselves. And let me tell you, once you get started with yourself, you won't have time for anybody. You just won't. And that's the problem with America today. We're the entitlement mentality. I'm entitled. You're entitled to go to hell. As a sinner, there's no entitlement. You go to work. You work hard. You be honest. You get ahead. It destroys the nation. It destroys the church. Paul stayed at Ephesus for a time. Once again, his ministry is coming to a close. Had been a great ministry. Effectual doors had been opened to him, he told others in the church. He had trained the elders at Ephesus to pass the baton. Acts 20, 17, he's going to deal with them for the last time. We train people here. We hand ministry down. We teach you. We instruct you. We disciple you. And God has blessed the ministry and expanded the ministry. But the ministry belongs to Jesus, not to any one of us. You understand? There's one head, many parts in the body. The ministry to be effective, the body ministry must be present. For ministry to be effective, the body ministry must be present. What is your gift? Are you applying it for the kingdom of God? The ninth and last characteristic is found 23 and 24. The presence of adversaries to oppose the work of God was manifested. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Stop there. Notice in 23, the crisis came about the same point in time about the way. Again, Paul's ministry is coming to an end. This is the time when Paul had sent Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia. Picking this up, he has some things to tie up, loose ends here. Whenever God is working, be ready for crises and attacks. The minute you're born again, you're born into warfare. You're not asked if you want to go to warfare. You're born into warfare. Whether you want to fight or not, you're in warfare. Be careful. Use wisdom. Notice the commotion was about the way the narrow tolerance of Christianity infuriated people. You're telling me there's only one way? Absolutely. You're telling me there's only one name? Absolutely. You're telling me there's only one meteor? Absolutely. I can't make it any wider. It's signed in blood. Jesus said it in the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father by me. You can worship anything you want in America and they won't think you're crazy. In fact, they'll kind of admire you. But you tell me you believe in Jesus. You will not be tolerated. Verse 24, the conflict was about money and religion. The principal adversary was Demetrius, a silversmith. He was the head spokesman. His name means belonging to Ceres, a Gentile, craftsman perhaps, one of the heads of the guilds of the trades. You see people say, well, you know, it's, not, it's different today. They didn't have... Listen, if you were a Christian in Ephesus... And you used to be a craftsman, 
you belonged to a guild. And in that guild, you had festivals, pagan festivals. And you went and you had to sacrifice and eat and partake of the demons and sexual rites and everything else. And now you're a Christian, you don't. Do you think you have a job? Tough. Tough decisions, huh? It affected their trade, their money. He made silver shrines of Diana. He's an idol maker, particularly gifted. Ephesus was not only famous for its commerce, political importance as the capital of the Roman province of Asia, but one of the principal religion centers of the Greco-Roman world. It had imperial cult influence of emperor. Three temples at one time. The goddess of fertility, Diana, called Artemis in classical mythology. And he made money. The expression, no small profit, means just the opposite. He made buku money. <laughs> Despite all this that was going on in Ephesus, when Jesus rebuked the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2.4, He said, I have one thing against you, church of Ephesus. You have left your first love. Repent and do your works over again. Wow. And they left their first love. I've seen people on fire for God used of God and they leave their first love and they start getting involved in things and before you know they're back in the world it happens more than you believe it does for ministry to be effective the presence of adversaries to oppose the work of God will be present on every level it never stops it never stops these are nine characteristics in the ministry of Paul at Ephesus, evident of a fruitful church. The people were taught and filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you being taught? Are you teachable? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? The Word was preached and taught consistently. You have to open up your mouth. You have to apply it to your life. You have to die to self. I can't do that for you. The work of God involves time. The miraculous sovereign power of God was active. We see this every time. When we pray with people, when we lay hands on them, when we see God give you wisdom for your marriage, when we see Him heal some of you, when we see some young ladies that have gone to fertility clinics and you can't get pregnant, we anoint you with oil and you get pregnant. The power of God over the cult was evident. We've seen this through the years too. Great encouragement. The Word of God grew and prevailed and how this ministry has prevailed and grown in the Word from the beginning. It's great. The leading of the Lord by His Spirit was ongoing. This is our desire. We don't want to leave this. We want to make sure that God's the one that's directing and guiding us. The participation of body ministry was present. We do all that we can to equip you. We pray for you. We pray that you respond, but we cannot force you nor will we plead with you. That is your privilege, your responsibility and accountability to God. In the presence of adversaries to oppose the work of God was manifested, is manifested every day. Every time we come in, there's one day something happens, one way or the other. But the same thing happens in your life, with your children, with your marriage, with the people you interact with. If you're a Christian, you're targeted by the enemy. Like soldiers, you may not always be in a battle, but you're always in a war zone. Always in a war zone. And so, go over these characteristics. Are they in your life? 
You have to make them personal. And that's our prayer for you. Pastor Xavier Reese, making the challenge to apply in your life the characteristics of fruitful ministry that we see practiced in the church at Ephesus. And with just a few moments left, we're delighted to let you know copies of today's study titled Characteristics of an Effective Ministry are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Characteristics of an Effective Ministry, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And tell a friend to join us for more Simple Truths from Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 